Der deutsche Spargelkult müsse enden. Germany's beleaguered defense minister has temporarily dropped his PhD. Volkswagen ist eine Perle der deutschen Industrie. Und ich glaube, das kann man nicht sagen. Ich weiß, wie viel Liebe dahinter steckt. Wenn Glühweinstände aufgebaut werden, wenn Waffen. Spargelweltmeister ist China, denn die bauen sich. Hey, this is Ted. Hi, it's Michelle. Welcome back to the Spaßbremse Premium Feed. We are back with part two of our Borders series, Spaßbremse Grenzen. Uh, last time we talked about the Czech-German border and the Sudetenland. This time we are going to be talking about another famous boundary, everybody's favorite line, the Oder-Neiße line, which is Germany's eastern border with Poland. Right. Yeah, so you... You know, most people would probably probably think, you know, after 1945, Germany, you know, they abandoned all their plans to, to land east of Germany, right? They're, they're not really into that. Um, the whole Lebensraum thing didn't, didn't really work out well for anybody. Um, and so you think, yeah, they, they, they gave up on that idea of, of eastward expansion. And, you know, in a sense, that's correct. Germany has not invaded Poland or, or countries to, to the east of it, uh, you know, leaving aside any sort of uh, anti-EU polemics and, and some, some arguments they make there. But, you know, obviously, Germany has not done an armed invasion of a country to its east. Very good. Uh, definitely some progress from earlier in the century, the last century. However, it's a, it's a little more complicated than that. And the whole, uh, the, the modern borders were not universally accepted, were they? Definitely not, um, because 1945 was not, in fact, the end of this German dissatisfaction with their eastern Grenzen, their eastern border. Um, it was actually the opposite. All the way up to reunification in 1990, the CDU claimed that modern-day Western Poland, which was former German territory before World War II, was actually rightfully theirs. Um, yeah, like via international law, like they, they always say, like, according to international law, it's actually ours. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And like to, to just like reemphasize that and how kind of crazy that is, because it really it's not exactly what you think about, you know, like peaceful, uh, modern West Germany. But the largest party in West Germany for decades demanded land from Poland, even after waging a genocidal war against that country just a few decades earlier. Um The CDU maintained their opposition to the current border, like I said, until 1990 under Helmut Kohl after reunification or as reunification was happening. Um, but even up until really uh, Willy Brandt and, and Ostpolitik, which to be fair, you know, was the first SPD chancellery, so they didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to, to implement their policy before that. Um, but he did accept this border, but the SPD had expressed opposition beforehand. And so, you know, you have, you have the German government and one party accept this in 1970, um, but, but not a widespread acceptance until 1990, um, which you think is a, it just feels like a lot more modern than someone still arguing that we should have Western Poland still as part of Germany. It, it, we'll get into some of the quotes and, and debates that people were having. It feels very, very weird to see people arguing that they should like get this land back. And, so like I said, this, this debate has obviously settled down after Helmut Kohl accepted it during reunification. But I still think this kind of like ongoing debate does raise some important points in terms of modern political developments. 
because we're obviously seeing the murderous consequences of Russian revanchist sentiments in Ukraine right now, saying, oh, well, this used to be part of our country. The borders were drawn unfairly. We're going to we, we should have a right to reclaim it. And they've obviously decided to reclaim that by force, uh, which is, you know, a, a whole more like level of more you know unforgivable sin there. But this idea that a country has been wronged and deserves to have some part of its land back that was taken from it um, is it's not confined to, you know, the the sort of uh, barbarism of, of the Putin regime, um, quite the opposite. We, we see this from a lot of different countries. And I think it's a, a very dangerous idea wherever it's applied. And we'll get into some kind of, some kind of conclusions about this. Um, you know, like I said, you know, to not, I'm not trying to draw an equivalence here between the federal Republic and Putin's Russia. Like it's good that Germany never took its dissatisfaction with the new borders so seriously that it went to war. You could also argue maybe this is just due to U.S. occupation and, and the, the U.S. military being there. Like Germany couldn't exactly uh, just go invade and Germany was also divided for, for decades, obviously. But yeah, there's it raises some uh, some some broader questions, don't you think? Yeah. Like how far back do you want to go to relitigate? Like, do you want to go back <laughs> hundreds of years and, and <laughs> just keep going and <laughs> Right. If you're if you're like oh the the tr the the scribblings in the caves look like a proto Germanic or proto Slavic right. like, like it doesn't like, end. You're yeah yeah no. You really do see how this like destructive wish to recreate old national boundaries can spiral out of control quickly. <laughs> and we kind of want to explore how significant elements of Germany, you know ideally the model of liberal democracy in the late 20th century uh, still held these sentiments. And it's just important to understanding lots of modern politics. Yeah. And it, it contextualizes some of these resentments and like weird stuff that you hear about. Cause sometimes you're, Oh, I, you know, this country wants this border back. Well, isn't that so wild? Like what, a, what a, what a 20th century or a 19th century thing they'll say like oh putin's a 19th century you know this or that and like these these debates and this idea to recreate like a national glory um it, it's not it's not a 19th century thing it's a 20th century thing it's a 21st century thing like countries countries do this and like luckily within europe the amount of wars waged over that has gone down um so far but the sentiments are still there and, and you see the danger of, of stoking them and, and like really tolerate any any of this because there is kind of going to be a fundamental unfairness to any border, you know, like, you know, Poland used to be greater, uh, you know, Hungary famously is always showing like their old borders. Um, you know, you can always like the, the Swedes held a bunch of territory, you know, on and on and on, right? You can always kind of get mad that your country used to be bigger. Some of them be like, oh, well, this, we were huge in 1100 we were huge in 1800 like those demands are obviously going to come into conflict and if you don't just basically accept how it is you're gonna you're gonna run into some troubles so let's get into the the actual details of this specific example rather than just you know opining about uh about imaginary communities and, and fake lines and on the map exactly yeah lines frontiers <laughs> makes you think man it's just it's all a human construct so yeah i mean this goes back a ways, obviously, like we said, you know, you can you can start uh, doing phrenology on uh, on skeletal remains and determine what ethnicity people were. We're not going to we're not going to go that far back. Um, but I think pre-World War One, um, 
is is fairly important to look at. You know, obviously you had a, had a very um, relatively to the present large German empire then, but still, you know, German communities like scattered in different areas, um, not not these kind of huma, um, homogenous ethnic and uh, linguistic blocks that you have today. That border then moves westward after World War One and the Treaty of Versailles. You still have a lot of um, German speakers in, in non-German lands, but you have um, before the outbreak of World War Two, you have what's still a much larger um, territory in the east than the modern Federal Republic has. So German territory um, in the interwar period would have then included land uh, north along the Baltic coast, um, almost all the way to Danzig slash Gdansk, um, which was then a free city. And there was this little tiny corridor called the, the Danzig Corridor. Um, it, it was pretty heavily uh, German speaking in the actual city itself. And so this is like actually one of the reasons, I mean, Hitler, when he declared war on Poland said, oh, I just want to, I just want to reunite like uh, Gdansk and, the, and then connect the, the Danzig corridor. And he famously said, like, I didn't think anyone would, would uh, when Britain and France declared war, he was like, I didn't think anyone would start a you war guys won't over, mind. over, over mind bloody Danzig. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it was not, not the case, obviously. Um, obviously his track record of saying, oh, I won't take any more after I do this. Uh, was was not looking too good at that point after our previous episode in the Munich Agreement. So yeah, just just quick detail on that region. Um, and then in the south, you know, it also went past uh, um, like Roslav uh, slash Breslau. I mean, one of the reasons a lot of these areas have have two names is uh, that they've you know been been ruled by countries with with uh, different languages. They also had East Prussia, modern day Kaliningrad, part of Russia. There's a this is a weird history there. We're not going to get super into this on this episode. It kind of deserves its own episode as this like bizarre enclave. So East Prussia heads. Uh, we'll we'll get back to that. And so like the the borders that were drawn after World War Two, which is what what we're concerned about here, um, which was of course during the Cold War, was the border between the DDR, East Germany, and Poland. This was a subject of a lot of debate and how exactly they got drawn. Like people kind of mix like legalistic and nationalistic sentiment when they argue about this. So for for a little while, um, especially after the recreation of the Polish state after World War One, Polish nationalists had wanted like a, a greater Poland. Um, they also were obviously nationalist and had these irredentist sentiments. Like it's not like only Germany. Germany feels this way. Um, so they wanted claims to all of these like historic Polish lands. This was originally basically like a, a far right or nationalistic kind of delusional thing, but as the war progresses and and you know Germany is like tries to dismember Poland effectively, um, it, it gains a little more currency and Stalin eventually was willing to accept it. Uh, he and the Polish communist government then basically set out to sort of make some make a fait accompli uh, or a few of them, and. This has, there's, a, there's several reasons here, right? And in terms of how these decisions get made, the, the politics and history is, is quite fraught. So you, you get the Soviets wanting basically more security in their mind, not wanting to get invaded from the West again. So they expand the Soviet Union far westward to the Kurzon line. So getting roughly 200 kilometers, the Soviet Union, so modern day Belarus and Ukraine, inches west into what was then Poland. Poland now has way less land, and so Stalin realizes that's a problem, also realizes that Poland is a communist government and friendly to him, so says, okay, well, we can have a little other buffer on this side. 
um, move. So then they move into this region, um, which would then go up to the Oder-Neisse line. And so you're moving all of Poland effectively like 200 kilometers to the west. They're just kind of shifted where it was. It's like when you're uh, in PowerPoint and you're using the the arrows to just tap it twice to the left and the whole they're just yeah they, they tapped it a little bit choo, choo, choo. and so the the western allies do accept this and it wasn't definitively decided at yalta um the you know the famous meeting between stalin churchill and fdr um the principle of a border along odenaisa was discussed and the idea that poland would have to be moved west was accepted so this was something that the allies were all hashing out and um, so yeah like i said Eastern Poland becomes Western USSR, so Belarus and Ukraine, um, and Eastern Germany becomes Western Poland. So this didn't go down well in Germany, obviously, uh, but they obviously were also not in a great negotiating position at the time, having just started and lost a world war. So they, they weren't exactly getting their territorial demands heard too seriously. And like I said, the, the Allies agree to it, and the, the separate German states, each of which created in 1949, uh, the Federal Republic and then the People's Republic in the East, both had to accept it, um, tolerating it to different degrees, of course. And so what I mean about like a, a fait accompli is, is a bit that like right after the war ended, five divisions, five army divisions of the new Polish communist government were just ordered up to the Oda-Nysa line, and then they sealed the bridges on the Oda and uh, Nysa to prevent Germans from re-entering. And so in this period, you have these mass movements of people that are that are very um, very well known, I think, you know, the, some of the largest mass movements in human history. So the German speakers from these lands uh, were basically sent out, moved to then what was the present-day German boundaries. You also have other nationalities kind of uh, and ethnicities sort of sorting along the new national boundaries. And so what the Polish then claimed in what used to be Germany, leading up to the Oder-Neisse line, where we're talking about this new part of Poland, they call this the recovered lands because they were ruled by Poles at some point in the past. You know, the, the reason the Allies agreed to this wasn't some like ancestral Polish heritage. It was just a sort of political compromise of the USSR saying, we want a buffer uh, in our country, and then we want our allied country to have, you know, basically be its own buffer and just make Germany be farther away from us. You know, the German troops got within miles of Moscow in 1941. The whole country almost collapsed after the invasion. They're pretty nervous. They say, we do not want to get invaded by these guys again. The more land between us and them, the better. And so that's the basic logic of this. Like I said, they're known as the recovered lands in Polish. Uh, for Germans, of course, this became lost territory and, uh, and a sore spot. You know, one, one, man's, one man's recovered land is another's lost territory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I think the best place to start, I know this is a podcast format, but if you haven't seen Ted's entire Twitter thread on this subject, which kind of precipitated this episode, we will link to it because the election posters by the German parties spanning from like the 40s up until the 90s, like we're talking about, this remained eine offene Frage. Um, we will link to it because you've really got to look at it. It's such a, such a... There's um, some good graphic design and some bad political messaging. <laughs> yeah, that sums it up. Let's start with my favorite, maybe favorite in heavy quotation marks. You've got this kind of giant red heart and a map of Germany overlaid on top of it with the nice uh, cursive 
saying it's got to be the entirety of Germany towards the undivided fatherland with the CDU. And just, yeah, the word <laughs> fatherland still, like just have the Stunde Null, the zero hour, the recreation of, you know, liberal democracy. We're not doing the Nazi stuff anymore. And then seeing Vaterland on there. Yeah. And just the like, we're going to move towards it. Like it's like a project, like still this like framing of, it's something right. to tune, yeah. you know, yeah, like it's exactly. something to be done, the, the to be completed. The sort of three different segments of like what they saw as Germany are colored differently, like the West in white, the, the DDR in yellow, and then black is the parts that then became, I mean, there's Kaliningrad, so what was part of the USSR, and then the parts that became Poland, um, east of the Odenaise line. And so it's shown like, the they show the whole of Germany in all three of these. And it's, yeah, it's really like, like this idea that there's a national project, right? Like you, you understand the national project of reunification of East and West Germany. So, you know, it makes a bit of sense. We, we talked about that in the politics around that and the whole process. But this idea that something that was determined very much to not be a part of Germany is still, like you said, an offene Frage, an open question is pretty wild. Um, you've also got the SPD uh, attacking this problem <laughs> with another map it's just it's just kind of crazy to see like the the outlines of germany and and how different and ridiculous it looks <laughs> because they have a giant german it's flag it's like, crisper shape today yeah they have a giant german flag coming out of berlin on the map which you know they've got like western west germany marked down and they have bonn and it says like from bonn across to Berlin for a free, social, and united Germany. But in the map of the, like, part that's not West Germany, they also have these lands, these dis- disputed territories. Well, well I, I, for one, was, was very happy to see uh, bipartisanship on this. You know, it's good to know. <laughs> right. It's, it's good to know that the CDU and SPD were able to come across the aisle and say, you know, we agree in... Uh, Claiming lands of a country that's not ours. It's great. Yeah. And just the last one, again, from the CDU saying, like, never the Oda Nysa line elect the CDU. And they have kind of like a map that's like ripped in this paper, right? Because it's so dramatic and bad. It's being torn away from the Vata land. Yeah. You can actually buy reprint posters of this. I saw it as like a rug. Like or like a, a mat, like a mat in, uh, to like wipe your shoes in your house. I was like, but, who yeah. would buy that? Imagine, imagine going to someone's house and they have a like <laughs> reclaim half of Poland like poster, like where you wipe your shoes. Yeah, or like a bath mat, like <laughs> so bizarre. Yeah, and so this, you know, there there weren't quite as many inflammatory posters in the next decade, um, but there were other signs that this was not accepted, and not just by like far right radicals or anything. Um, Famously, like the German weather forecasts, when they showed Germany, they would always show this part, these parts of Poland, as part of the like German weather forecast on like Tagesschau and stuff like that. Um, weird, weird. Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, "No, this is the weather in Germany. It's just like, it's just yeah. It's not. It's just it'll come. It'll come soon enough. You know, it's just over there for now." Um, for example, like in Atlas, it says "unter polnische Verwaltung" under under Polish administration is highlighted as like part of Germany. So like, oh, the Polish are just governing there. It's it's really ours. They're just administering it, right? Which is like, 
a very weird way of this also this like we'll get it back eventually kind of thing like thanks for taking care of it in the meantime uh <laughs> like yeah the is very temp i don't know yeah temporary. yeah it sounds like a sort of pr- like temporary holding kind of thing but of course there's no single german foreign policy here right germany is divided into the two different states east and west you know Obviously, everybody knows the history, one aligned with the U.S., the other with the USSR. And so it's really the, where the sentiment is coming from is, is mostly in the, the West. Like there was some East German dissatisfaction with it, which actually kind of helped, uh, helped scare the Poles a bit and like want to be closer with the, uh, with the Soviets because they were like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, are the Germans going to try to take our land? And the, the Soviets were very clear about this. They said, you have to accept this new boundary. Um, and so they did that in 1950 was when the treaty was signed uh, like between Poland and the DDR accepting this. There's like a nice little commemorative stamp of this. Um, and yeah, so they, they called the, the Friedensgrenze, the peace border. And so this was accepted by the East in 1950. But the West then says, oh, well, the East is illegitimate. They don't have any right to like negotiate lands. And so even though the fact that the, the part of Germany that actually bordered this part of Poland had already accepted the line, the rest of it, which did not have a direct border, said, no, once we all reunify, we're going to take that part as well. And so it's, it's pretty weird because you have this string of CDU governments, some with you know, prominent Nazis in them, who are actively involved in trying to destroy Poland during World War II, now found themselves at the reins of another you know, less genocidal government is good but still one that believed germany should recreate some of its old old borders so not not really great and you can just imagine like i mean how just how weird it must have been right if you're i mean especially if you're like on the left in germany in the west or like you're in poland and you're like wait we just did this whole war about this and you're still claiming this land you just lost yeah and so (laughs) you know I i think about that too with like willy willy brandt was you know a socialist and he was in exile for for the war um, and, you know, like campaigning against CD, CDU guys who were like in the Nazi party trying saying they should reclaim this land. And then him like, you know, not even th- like that radical of a left wing guy, um, but the first SPD chancellor and just how like it must feel so weird to be like, didn't we defeat that? Like, why is it still here? And this is a whole broader theme about like Nazis and the German government after after World War Two, which deserves probably its own episode or own series, because like the continuities are, are way more than, than they'd like to let on. But I just think it, you see it very concretely with this one issue of like, no, 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 like you can't invade other countries. You can't claim land that's not yours. And then they're still doing that. So speaking, speaking of Brandt here, um, now we're kind of fast forwarding to, to 1970. So 20 years after the DDR had accepted the new border, um, Brandt is engaging in Ostpolitik or sort of efforts to seek uh, rapprochement with um, the Eastern Bloc, so, you know, East Germany, Poland, USSR, etc. And so for more on, you know, Ostpolitik in general, um, you can go back and listen to our episode with James Jackson on German foreign policy, if you haven't already. Uh, we talk about it quite a bit, and also its legacy today. And so uh, Brandt, like I said, the first SPD chancellor, um, accepted that the Oder-Neisse line was the official border um, during the Treaty of Warsaw in 1970. This is the same time as the famous uh, Kniefall, the the genuflection of Warsaw, as it's sometimes translated, where he sort of just just sort of was over apparently overcome by emotion at looking some of the, at some of the memorials there, um, and I think it was the 
the memorial to the Warsaw Ghetto or the Warsaw Uprising. Um, I forget which one, but he, he falls then just kind of falls down to his knees as if yeah. to like apologize, and and as part of that says, you know, okay, the German government is not going to claim lands back of your country that we like, right. created, did so much evil to, and so you know it makes sense because, like I said earlier, from the Polish perspective, the these regions that the the Germany was just accepting now. Um, was considered to be compensation for the territory lost east of the Curzon line, which had been annexed by the USSR. And I should say that this is the part of the USSR that they annexed in 1939 as part of the Hitler-Stalin pact. So this didn't all happen post-war. Um, this is like this invasion of the U- the Soviet invasion of Poland in 1939, along with Hitler. So it's not to not to say that um, there's any sides here that really aren't trying to claim a bunch of land, but. It creates. It becomes a fact, and so it's you know up, becomes up to the Germans to to accept that. And you know, one half of the German political landscape does happens to be the half that's in charge. Um, at this point, it is a social liberal coalition. The the FDP are not as right wing on this as you'd think. They're they're actually uh, a lot more conciliatory and, and were part of the government at this time. And so you know, like I said, it's just it was just kind of considered like a like a quid pro quo for Poland. I was like, okay, well, we lost that part that the Soviets took in 1939. So we're going to get part of what the Germans had. Like you got to give us something here. Makes sense. And so this acceptance and the, the Kniefall and this whole kind of politics is now really remembered as a triumph on both a moral, uh, political and diplomatic level. That's kind of the modern narrative. Like there's commemorative coins with the, you know, with the Kniefall. It's seen as like a, a real triumph and like kind of indicative of this like German politics of remembrance and forgiveness and, coming to terms with the past, but it really wasn't widely accepted at all at the time. There was, a, there was a ton of criticism of this. Basically, what you saw was a massive domestic opposition from conservatives of every stripe. This is all from a Spiegel article. At the time, uh, Franz Josef Strauss sensed a, quote, socialist communist international. Nice. Uh, a little rating. Rainer Batzel accused the Branch Scheel coalition of um, having embarked on the, quote, uncertainty of adventure and also called for an overthrow of the government. (laughs) Sure. And the president or head of kind of an expelled persons organization from these territories, Herbert Saja, accused the chancellor of, quote, abandoning human rights and vowed their constant resistance. Yeah, so you see from at the time, like people speaking in in very heated language about this, and, and Michelle alluded to uh, some of the, as they call them, expellees, or like the sort of relocated, or some people call them ethnic cleanse, which seems a, seems a bit strong. But people that Germans, ethnic Germans who lived in the lands that then became Poland, and they form a, like a pretty uh, politically radical group um, that we'll get back to. And so... Brandt does, like to his credit, you know, handle this all quite well. Uh, quoting now from the German Historical Museum, they say, quote, Brandt's actions were greeted with dismay by those expelled, as Michelle mentioned, and by the Christian Democrats who sought to reclaim the territories beyond the Odenaise line. The chancellor himself, however, responded in a statesmanlike manner. Quoting Brandt, with this treaty, nothing has been lost that has not long been squandered. No kidding. So, like, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. Just, just saying, look, so this is how obvious. it is, guys. Get over it. Yeah. And also, like, you know, 
maybe you shouldn't have tried to wipe the country off the face of the map if uh, if you don't want this reaction. So, you know, I see it makes good sense that this is considered like a triumphant moment in German politics. I think it should bring a lot of shame on the conservatives for how they handled this, saying, you know, abandoning human rights or, or you know, um, like this is some like great betrayal, right? I mean, it's just it's it's just violently, vehemently nationalistic language that your sort of public perception of Germany now is that they abandoned that after the war. And you can see very much that they did not. And so, again, I think, Michelle, you had used the phrase offene Frage. And so we have from 1980, there's a CSU poster that says exactly this, looking a lot like those uh, posters and maps you were talking about earlier with the campaign posters. This is a big CDU poster. And it says, die offene deutsche Frage, and shows all of the lands that were, uh, including East Prussia and the areas east of the Odenice line that then became Poland. So, again, this is not just a late 40s thing. This is 1980, a giant poster, and they're campaigning on saying it's an open question where Germany's eastern border really is. Yeah, completely in Germany colors, uh, the, the Schwarzrot gelb, and you've kind of got like the cross hatching on the territory that they would like to get back. And that's the classic, like, uh, <laughs> Come on, just maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really didn't believe, I like checked like four times when you posted this on Twitter that this was 1990. I was like, there must be some mistake. Like, yeah, I, I can't it's, it's believe their, it's their newer it logo. It's, yeah, it's, the, it's their, it's their uh, 80s, 90s logo. So yeah. uh, it's not, yeah, not, not a fraud. I think it's on the Konrad Adenauer Stiftung like uh, archive. So this image is from, like, I mean, the, the the which is the political foundation of the Conservative Party. Um, so yeah, it's it's right. They're they're proud of this. They say, hey, you know, we're standing up for for the whole fatherland. And so you know, in 1990, to to finally to be fair to the CDU, I guess we do get official acceptance of the current borders um, now from the CDU government under Helmut Kohl. So just to jog your memory, 1990, uh, after the fall of the wall, um, before reunification though, so this is the Hans Modrow uh, government in the DDR. And Kohl, Helmut Kohl, the CDU chancellor, finally backs down. Uh, he had earlier, um, you know, like the rest of his party, not supported accepting this border backs down under huge international pressure because it becomes pretty clear that this is going to be a prerequisite of German reunification. If you're Poland or any of the, the great powers interested in peace in Europe, you're not really going to want a very powerful reunified Germany, which still is claiming uh, territory that, that made people pretty uncomfortable. Cole, like I said, you know, don't, don't really have to hand that much to him because at the time he was demanding compensation for the land east of the border he was saying, "Okay, well, we'll accept it, but you have to like you have to do like reparations, basically." We'll which sell is it to you guys. We'll wild <laughs> thing to do for yeah. what they had done to Poland only a few decades earlier, and um, and so Cole, like I said, you know, eventually does do this. He really risked his chancellorship over the acceptance of this. Some documents came out came out more recently that Spiegel reported. He had to threaten to resign in order to get some really recalcitrant parts of his party on board with this. So like. You know, this is like we want to keep emphasizing. This is like well into sort of what you think of a modern, like reunified German era of politics, right? You know, the '90s, um, and this is how deeply held the the opposition to this new border was. And 
and, and there, there's a few different theories here, right? What, what, like why this might be. Um, is it actually a deeply held kind of nationalistic belief? Or is it just political posturing for this sort of influential group of people who were resettled from then what became Poland into the modern borders of Germany? To get an idea of how people were reacting to this, I just pulled some quotes here from the LA Times saying, the Germans who were resettled in West Germany formed a small but powerful political bloc that has generally voted conservative mostly for Kohl's Christian Democrats or its associated party in Bavaria, the Christian Social Union. Political observers have suggested that Kohl's reluctance to guarantee the Polish border was basically an effort to avoid losing the support of these voters. So yeah, like Ted is saying, he held on until the last second. And the article continues here, the resettled Germans, many of whom hope someday to return to a homeland reincorporated into Germany, maintain that the border question is an open one pending a final peace treaty between Germany and the Allies. Their vote is important because of elections in West Germany scheduled for later in the year, state elections followed by national elections in December. The results are expected to be close. So basically you have Cole being like, this is the the swing, these are the swing voters. And Almost like, uh, I need them know, on my Cubans, side. Cuban, uh, Cubans in Florida kind of thing. I mean, it's, right. it's not exactly analogous, no, but, but like that's what a it bit of that like, like. politically rad- radicalized group of people that have moved and then hold this like one issue super, super strongly. Yeah. So it's easy to pander to them. <laughs> yeah. Like Ted was saying, like this debate continuing in the nineties just really strikes a chord because of all the, because of how modern it that time period seems. And we found this pretty insane video, <laughs> um, this Tagus Shao clip. I think definitely go watch yes, it. And maybe Isaac can even cut it. We'll it we can try to cut it in, yeah. Yeah, official. Auf dem Deutschlandtreffen der Schlesier in Hannover ist heute der Wille zur Wiedervereinigung bekräftigt worden. Ooh, I mean this one just Theo Weigel also famous for um, his part in the Treuhand and refusing to compensate, refusing to give a cent to the to the East Germans basically. He yeah, said he said not one in. cent and Exactly. Yeah. Just it. So yeah, and this is all happening at the same time obviously and He's just out there spouting nationalist nonsense. <laughs> and what's so funny about the video, I think, is that there are these shots of the crowd and you've just got the most ancient looking people you've ever seen. <laughs> like they have <laughs> risen out of their graves to come watch uh, is it, is it Was it at like the CSU party conference? Was that it? Yeah, like, it was some sort place? of thing in, in yeah. Hanova and he's talking to like a couple thousand old people. And, um, yeah, basically the Tagesschau moderator introduces the clip by saying that Weigel makes the point that um, the goal remains the unity of the entire German people. Even if in Hannover the Einigung of Europe as a important condition for a free and united Germany, which, you know, sounds a bit vague, and then it cuts to his speech, and what he actually says sounds far more extreme. So here's the German. He says, Mit der Kapitulation der deutschen Wehrmacht am 8. Mai 1945 ist das Deutsche Reich nicht untergegangen. Nicht untergegangen. Es gibt 
Es gibt keinen völkerrechtlich wirksamen Akt. Es gibt keinen völkerrechtlich wirksamen Akt, durch den die östlichen Teile des Deutschen Reiches von diesen abgetrennt worden sind. Unser politisches Ziel bleibt die Herstellung der staatlichen Einheit des deutschen Volkes in freier Selbstbestimmung. Which translates to... This like gives me chills. With the surrender of the German Wehrmacht on the 8th of May 1945, the German Reich did not perish. There is no effective act under international law by which the eastern parts of the German Reich were separated from it. Our political goal remains the establishment of the state unity of the German people in free self-determination. I just wanted to make you say that in German, just to, you know, <laughs> you had to say, you had to say, das Deutsche Reich ist nicht untergegangen. <laughs> it's actually, it's yeah. like, holy shit that he's, Just saying that, and this is the guy, yeah, also, like, the finance minister at the time, right, like you said, who is, like, telling Christian Luft, like, the, you know, to, like, basically go fuck off fuck and that off, they're not going to yeah. get anything. We're going to, like, dismantle East Germany, uh, but also recreate the German Reich. Like, what, dude? What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's worth watching this video if you if you read German, or, or even if you don't, just to, like, look at the people in the crowd. Like you said, they are yeah. just dinosaurs. Because I, I had to think, like, oh, well, 1990, <laughs> they're still saying this. And then you look at it, and you see the people in there, and you're like, oh, that guy was, like, probably doing, like, mass atrocities in Poland at the time. And it's like, hey, yeah. come on, can we get the land back? Yeah, yeah. The average, the average age of the audience there. And, you know, so eventually, like I said, um, the modern border for, borders are, are codified, uh, The chancellor drops his demand uh, to, to Polish land and drops the demand for, for reparation, but just said, you know, wants guarantee of rights for ethnic Germans. And Cole, Cole has a great, a great quote. Um, and when he's sort of explaining his backtracking, he says, mistakes were made on all sides, including by me. So, you know, mistakes were made. Oops. There you go. <laughs> They did an oopsie. Um, Weigel also does later relent, uh, still, you know, not, not admitting uh, mistakes, of course, saying that, it, you know, we, we would have, have to accept the new borders as a condition of reunification, but called it a bitter price. So, yeah, not, uh, not, not what you want. And um, just, yeah, remarkable how this is still deeply held. I mean, there's still some, like, far-right, like, totally radical people that are, like, claiming lands back. You know, it's not... It's not like the the modern CDU is like this is like super it's in, not in a the political discourse. Anymore. But it's it is pretty remarkable to show how long this lingered, right? Because you know, people people going on um people saying like how how crazy it is that like Putin is demanding like different borders back of what used to be the the USSR and so on. And it's like, you know, we're we're actually closer to 1991 now than 1990 was to 1945. So like this is like this is relatively removed from that compared to what we're talking about now. And like I said, obviously starting a war is is like totally unjustified. But that speech that that he gave, you know, and like this sort of this betrayal of how the land wasn't properly legally transferred and how it really still belongs to Russia, like you see echoes of the same exact rhetoric here. Like this is what like nationalist tellings of history do. And so you know, Michelle Michelle mentioned. The like tweet I posted about this. Uh, we don't want to, you know, overly talk about Twitter on the podcast, but uh, there were some funny replies <laughs> we here. Don't. Uh, I guess most people are like on Twitter to listen to this, but I always like yeah, I always I wonder know. what it would be like to be offline and then like wonder what's going on uh, on podcasts. But uh, just to explain it a bit, a few people like sort of 
reply to this thread I posted that was, you know, followed similar lines as this conversation. Um, and someone said, actually, it's not surprising at all when you have in mind that these have been century-long German settlements. It's rather surprising that the loss of all the regions has become undisputed in such a short time, 45 years. And so, um, again, going back to this century-long German settlement, and like, and this, like, the, you know, the ancestral lands kind of things, and it's like, you know, land moves around. Like, you can't, you don't get to just keep it forever, especially when you, you know, start a war. Like, I mean, there's a decent argument to be made that Germany sort of lost its being a country privileges uh, after World War II, um, let alone having its exact same national borders. And uh, the fact that people are like, oh, well, yeah, of course they're mad about it. It's like, you might want to look at what happened before that. Another common uh, refrain was that, quote, there are still people living that were ethnically cleansed by the Soviets with the support of the Allies from their homes. And you're upset that the Germans used to want the land that was ethnically cleansed returned to them? And it's like, I'm okay, sorry, like, you don't get you want to, to talk about ethnic cleansing. Yeah. Like, that's, that's find not a different really phrase. Terrain. Find a different yeah. phrase. Yeah, it's like they were kicked out, and I'm sure that was traumatic, and they had to move. That's not the same as like the Holocaust. Yeah, they were like vertrieben. It's yeah. And another one. This was just lip service for part of the voting base of the CDU, uh, the so-called vertriebenen. Nothing more. All German governments, regardless of which party they were led by, knew that these foreign German territories would never be regained. Okay, so saying, well, they're just, they're just pander, pandering cynically. They don't actually believe in getting these territories back. But is that the excuse and justification you think it is? Because if you're pandering to nationalist sentiments, you're also encouraging them and tolerating them. And that can get out of hand. Like, what happens if the next... Then you get everybody whipped up about getting the lands back. They never do, and then people are more inclined to vote for a more radical party. So just saying, oh, they didn't actually mean it, is not, to me, not a compelling justification at all. Just for the record, vertrieben means displaced. So vertriebenen is like displaced persons, and that's the accurate term. Exactly, yeah. And so what are we, you know, what are the, we can kind of wrap it up here. Like, what are our broader thoughts or, or lessons or anything about this? Um, I'd like everybody to calm down a bit. Just I agree, yeah. Historically, <laughs> always, if everybody could just take a take a breather. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't want to like sound too much like a like a poster on like a, a Berlin squad of like no borders, no nation, or whatever. But like when you read history of this stuff, you have a hard time thinking anything else. You're like, this is so stupid. Like, stop arguing about this, right? Yeah. And like, and or or at least just accept how they are now. Like you know, like I said earlier. There's going to be some unfair stuff, maybe, you know, you lost a war, this got taken, there was some treaty, the great powers negotiated over your heads, you know, you bring up a map from 1243, and you're like, look, we should have all this land. It's like, well, you don't, you got to get over it. If you're going to, like, if you go back too far, you're just, you're going to, yeah, you're going to start measuring the skull size of fossils and be like, ah, that's a German, like, I look at that, look at that jawline, like, that's a German skull buried in this land, give it back. Yeah. Like, and what do you do then start a war over that because like it just it leads nowhere and it's and or it leads only to bad places yes and to the kind of bad place we're finding ourselves in in ukraine right now yeah. and and it's just like it just any of this kind of like posturing like i think we have to like treat it with equal disdain and and view it as like quite quite dangerous because once you keep sort of fostering and like planting the seed in people's mind of 
of where they belong and what lands they should be able to take over, like, where do you stop that? Like, luckily, it didn't get out of control in Germany, and there wasn't a, a third, you know, invasion eastward. But like, it can happen, as we're seeing, and it's uh, not good. So chill out, accept borders, or get rid of borders, but don't try to make them bigger. I think that's it from us. Um, we'll be back soon on the main feed with a Spargel episode. Yeah, we're gonna do some Spargel. Yeah, like I said, we got some we got some guests brewing, so it should be it should be some. Good stuff coming up, and we'll return to the Grenzen series uh, soon. So, yeah, bodies, spaces, lines, territories. Frontiers. Frontiers. We're here. <laughs> We're covering them all. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next all time. Right. Cheers. Cheers.